All right. We got here Zach Knight, founder of Battle, B-A-T-L, and A-T-L Vets. What's going on, Zach? What's going on, guys? I appreciate you all having me. Absolutely, man. We're stoked to have you on. Somehow, Land and I managed to be in Orlando and find a podcasting studio to podcast at. So it's actually more ideal than our normal home studio. So things are great, man. What's going on in your world? Man, so many amazing things. You know, 2023 just rolling. And I thought 22 was a good year, but it looks like 23 is a, a lot's really coming to formulation, including ATL Vets that y'all, y'all just mentioned. It's a big nonprofit I just launched in November. So a lot of really cool things happening, man. Awesome. And we'll definitely dive into that. But first, I want to hear a little bit more about your backstory. I think we connected via Keegan Schaefer, who's one of our business coaches. Definitely want to hear a little bit more about how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, man. Old Coach Keeg. He's good people, man. Definitely one of those moving and groovers, man. But a lot of my background is kind of a, I did a lot of things backwards. I love that piece, but it's really the entrepreneurial style. I was a police officer here in Atlanta, did a lot of SWAT, gang and narcotics investigations. That was like the first real job I had. The backwards piece is I left that to join the army, went into basic training at 28. And I was the old guy trying to do push-ups at basic training and then spent a few, several months in, in training, commissioned as an officer in the infantry, deployed with the Green Berets in 2019, over to Afghanistan, ran about a year worth of combat operations every few days and saw my fair share of stuff over there. And then in the middle of all that, launched and founded seven businesses now. And six of them are still ro- rolling just without me. And then the seventh is the big one with ATL Vets. So lots of really weird backwards ways of doing things, but it's been fun so far. Well, thank you for your service, brother. And so let's talk about seven businesses. How the hell do you have the time to, you know, I know you're not specifically operating inside every single business, but you know, where, where does your time margin come from? Yeah, man, a, a big thing, and this is how coach Keegan and I ran into each other, man. A big thing. I'm a, I really focus my time as a fractional COO now. So I, I focus on business coaching, consulting for small businesses and help them create big wins. And that's the battle brand that y'all mentioned, be a tactical leader. And the tactical piece is what's so important. A lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in the trenches, right? You don't have enough time to take that tactical pause and like look up, look around and see what the hell you're doing with your business, right? So for me, I have an MBA in small business operations and I, I learned really quickly when I went to Afghanistan, I, I had to figure out how to run a business from a war zone, literally. And I learned really quickly how to set up processes, how to really streamline operations. And then when I came back six months later, COVID hit. So it's like, again, I'm, you, we, the world shuts down for however long. And thankfully, I was like prepped for it. So for me, the, the time management piece came in and really phenomenal structures, processes, things that I really been dedicated to time blocking. Like it's really hard to get me on the calendar by shooting me a text message, right? Like I'm really big and really selfish with my time. And that allowed me to kind of set up those operations in the companies where I can really focus on the things I want to do more of. And that's the, the veteran space and veteran small businesses. So I, I had a question about your, so we actually just read the book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Love and, Jocko. Uh, something that's top of my mind just in chatting with you just now is like, mm-hmm. how did you go from, what are some of the values and the, the situations you saw in the military that translate just right to business and from a leadership standpoint and, and from an operating standpoint? Yeah, man. Jocko actually does a phenomenal way of explaining that in extreme ownership and the way he gives his examples from, I mean, I've kind of called it from the battlefield to the boardroom, 
right? And there are a lot of things that when you're in, he talks a lot about leadership and that's what extreme ownership is. And leadership is really in my mind, simply defined as influence, plain and simple, right? One of the reasons I wanted to join the military was to test my leadership. I'm a Dell Carnegie certified guy. I used to teach Dell Carnegie. And one of my big things was like, if I can influence men in combat under gunfire, say two words and they move, that's leadership right there, right? Jocko obviously does a great job there of like implementing that, you know, a stressful situation in the boardroom is nothing compared to what we both dealt with overseas, right? So Jocko does a phenomenal job of applying those lessons. But one thing that they addressed after extreme ownership that I'd really encourage you to check out is called the dichotomy of leadership. It's their book. It's the follow-up if you haven't checked it out yet. Extreme ownership down is phenomenal. But what they found out, I'm sorry, extreme ownership is up the chain, right? You know, something happens, you take ownership to a client, your boss, whoever it is, absolutely my fault. I didn't train so-and-so well enough, my bad. You take that ownership as a leader. Phenomenal. What I found in Afghanistan, I have an interesting story about it. We had, I had 50 guys assigned to me and one of them was a younger guy, but he's a sergeant. He was assigned to a 50 cal machine gun on one of our trucks. And he ended up pulling, we were going into test fire, going out on operation. He w- was not feeling like being on the gun. He's like, ah, oh, it's cold. I'm going to sit, you know, down in the truck. And I put, he put a younger, way less experienced soldier on the gun without me knowing. This soldier didn't turn towards a test fire area, instead turned towards an Afghanistan, Afghan army motor pool. And he discharged a 50 cal into a motor pool. If you don't know what a 50 cal machine gun does to a vehicle, it's not pretty. And he hit several vehicles. It's a bad situation because it's, you know, a negligent discharge attached to things into a friendly motor pool. And thankfully, nobody was harmed during that piece. But I had to go back to my boss in the military and be like, hey, man, I screwed up. This I'm account- I'm accountable for this. And just took that extreme ownership up. The dichotomy of leadership talks about the accountability down. I can't just take that accountability up and that ownership up. I have to then go back to that E5, train him, go back to that E4, say, hey, man, you know better than this. We've taught you better than this, or you should. Let me retrain you on the gun. And then that sergeant had to be kept accountable as well. So I think a big piece from combat is like looking at, yes, extreme ownership up, but definitely extreme accountability down. So that way the, the scales stay pretty balanced. It's easy. It's yeah. It kind of brings things full circle, right? Because if someone just read the extreme ownership book, it could be interpreted. I, I didn't interpret it this way, but it, it could be interpreted. It's like, Oh, like, okay. I own up to this. I'm sorry. This won't happen again type of thing. But, yeah. but leading back down the chain is, is making sure it never happens. And it's, it's exactly solutions focused, you know, yep. great point. And so I guess my question and segue would be most people that are listening to this podcast are never going to really have to go through the situations that you did on the combat field where it's life or death. How do we translate those principles to business? Where do you see that coming, you know, with across your seven businesses? You know, it, it's funny now that I've moved more into the business consulting space. I never want to be a business coach. I feel like everybody's a coach these days. COVID hit, everybody's a coach. I'm one of those that I didn't become a coach until somebody asked me to, and then somebody else asked me to. And then like, man, I'm spending a lot of time coaching people because of well, one of my companies during COVID, we scaled to 155 countries in eight months. So I had to scale very quickly, right? So I'm like, man, if these people keep asking, you know, I really have to figure out how to make money off of all this time I'm spending. So I became a coach and I hate the term, but it is what it is, right? Looking at the, at the boardroom as a small business, it's not life or death per se where bullets aren't flying, but the reality of it is the business battlefield is just as stressful. It's just a different type of stress, right? So 
a lot of small businesses, business owners, you might not have been through the combat situations in Afghanistan, but if you're not out here scrapping for your life every day, are you really an entrepreneur? You know what I mean? So it's like the fight's the same, the stress, the, the weight on the family, all those things are very similar. And I think the biggest thing where I see a lot of veterans succeed as entrepreneurs, myself as included, is maintaining the rigidity and discipline in the morning, setting your day up. Jocko talks about a lot, you know, that morning routine. You wake up, you work out, you get your mindset, those different pieces where you're very structured still, right? That discipline that we have innately ingrained in us is a big piece of where I think the military translates very well over in a business ownership and an entrepreneurs, clients that are the most successful have similar routines, right? They get up, they get their self squared away, and then they focus on clients. They're selfish with themselves enough to then be able to feed into others. And I think that's a huge piece that translates really well. What I love about what you just said, obviously we're talking about discipline equals freedom, right? It's like this weird conundrum that people think is like, how the hell can I be so disciplined and on top of my stuff, but still feel free at the same time? Imagine trying to run several businesses and not having any structure. That's a lot less freedom than people think. So creating that type of discipline to where it's like, okay, this is my time blocks. This is what I'm doing. I'm getting my non-negotiables out of the way. Then I have the space in that free time on my calendar to literally do whatever I want, whether it's drive the business forward or do things that I personally want to do. So what does that schedule look like for you? Just give us a brief overview of what a typical day looks like in your world. Yeah, man, I'm up at four o'clock every day. I've maintained that after the military. I'm in the gym by five. For me, the physical aspect, even in Afghanistan, all my guys knew that hour I'm in the gym, don't bother me. Unless we're getting bombed or somebody literally just died, you do not bother me during that time. I needed that one hour of mindset, right? So the gym's a big thing. Then after that, I do something mindset related, get my body ready, then get my mind ready. And it's journaling after nerve damage, my left arm and my left hand's mostly numb. So one of the things I actually picked up to challenge myself was the piano. So that's a mindset piece for me. Classical music is really calming for me. So something mindset related. And then throughout the day, I actually have time blocks from noon to two every day. I have walk my dog. I have a 16 year old Husky that I got right out of high school. She's at my feet right now. And I walk her every day. That's like set. You will not bother that time where I take her for a walk and I cook myself lunch. Then I have the same thing at dinner, walk and cook dinner. So I literally block it off where you can't book a call with me during that time. And then the rest of the time, you know, there's time block for this time block for that. But I think time blocking is a great exercise for people to realize, like protect certain things that like you cherish 16 year old Husky. I cherish the heck out of her, you know? It's great timing. We've just been battling that in our own lives. It's, it's, yeah. it, and one of our mentors literally said the same words, like protect your time, you know, and it's so mm-hmm. valuable, you know, especially when businesses are growing and whatnot, it's easy to get pulled away from just the things that ultimately matter at the end that you can almost lose sight of it if you don't make time for it and, and, and respect that time and protect it. So that makes sense. I want to know about especially in like businesses. Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. Yeah. I was going to say, especially in the personal life, like a lot of people forget that, right? I I'm twice divorced. So like, I didn't treasure that before I had to learn that really the difficult way. And then as she get the dog gets older, like I really want to cherish that, right? She's a super loyal pup. So I I think we're, we're talking a lot about business, but never, never forget how much that feeds back into the personal life and how much your personal life can suffer. If you're not protecting that time for yourself in that capacity. Yeah. I, and I was going to want to dive into a little bit. You mentioned seven businesses, one of them, 155 countries in eight months of expansion. 
what are all these businesses that you have in your in your world right now and, and what's on the forefront of your mind? Yeah, man. So the very first one I started was Knight Protection Services. It's, it's a security firm. We do a security consulting more on the architectural level. So organizational, we, we work with a lot of schools, churches, synagogues, and lay the, the foundation and blueprint of what security looks like. I also have a domestic violence awareness nonprofit that... Uh, we teach women self-defense, so full padded combatives, everything from mindset to self, literally self-defense tactics and Krav Maga. I have a real estate holdings firm that houses individuals going through these programs. The, the funny ones that scaled really quick during COVID, the big one is an international dance competition. I don't dance, so please don't ask me to dance. It's awful. I ran operations and had a business partner in that talent development firm, a media production company that does everything from like PR marketing side of stuff. And then the forefront is obviously battle and ATL vets, the business coaching consulting side, really trying to build up, you know, the NFL gets $300 million a year for veterans. And I've never once seen a cent from the NFL. So I wanted to create transparency in the veteran space and really support veteran businesses and, and figure out how we can push things forward where we don't learn those things in the military. I love that, man. So specifically, what are you doing with ATL Vets? Is it a, you know, a charitable organization, which, you know, you know exactly where the money's going and, you, you know, you're taking specific care of these vets. Where do these vets need to be served most? Because I know there's a big homeless problem among vets, big drug problem. You know, what's the biggest problem that you see and what are you looking to attack? Yeah. So there are a lot of organizations. I'm the marketing chair for another one here in Atlanta that does quarterly summits where we bring a lot of those pieces together. And there are a lot of support for veterans' personal lives. You know, they, they need PTSD recovery, therapy. I've been through those things. Wounded Warrior Project. For me, a big piece of it is the business space. What I found is instead of just giving a fish to a veteran, let's teach him to fish for life. And a lot of veterans have, when they retire, they have income and insurance and all these things, but they don't know what the heck to do for it, do with it. So one of the biggest pieces that we fail at as veterans is marketing ourselves. So what I've done with my media production company, we essentially go out, find sponsors. We just had a great success. There's a veteran here in Atlanta that has a farm that he brings veterans on for PTSD recovery. And he just uses it as a community piece. Come learn about the farm and learn about other veterans. I actually was able to feature him for about a quarter, driving toward him speaking at one of our quarterly summits. Um, he was blown up a few times as a really massive uh, brain injury and cannot complete a complete sentence. So he, he stutters really heavily because of that brain injury. But I put him on stage and it's all about the veteran voice. I'm like, this is a veteran that needs his voice shared. Then I took 120 people as one of my monthly events up to his farm, took the, the videographer, the photographer. We did a whole PR piece attached to it and landed him about a $20,000 sponsorship where he's going to, he's building a, a classroom where he needed HVAC and hot water heaters and septic. And we landed that sponsorship for him. And then we put the marketing pieces together and said, this amazing organization is sponsoring Hero Agriculture and ATL Vets made this happen. And we're that connecting point. So really trying to build the awareness for veterans myself and then use that to leverage. This is the amazing things that are actually happening. And this is how your money's being spent as a sponsor. It's not going off into the ethers. It's like you just made this impact happen. That's amazing. Something at the ground level of you know who needs to be served there. Now, all of this has transpired to you now writing a book. Tell us a little bit more about that. I know that's releasing or it has released already. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So my book, The Legacy of Love, Journey of Self-Mastery, it released on Veterans Day this year. 
It's an interesting piece because it's more about the personal journey and mindset. About we're looking at about 19, 20 months ago, I was actually about to become a statistic. You know, twenty-two veterans a day, uh, and veteran suicide is a massive issue. I personally was about March of last year. I was on the end of a dock with a pistol in my mouth. I was ready to go. And I was so fed up. And this was literally after the scaling of the businesses. I was offered eight figures for that business for, for equity. You look on paper, just absolutely successful. Anything you could ever ask for on paper. And I was absolutely miserable. The guilt, the leadership guilt. I lost a few guys in Afghanistan and all the guilt I carried back and never dealt with. Shoved them in the closet until volcano erupted. And I was at that point thinking that was rock bottom. It actually wasn't when two weeks later, a veteran buddy of mine that I, I ended up moving back to Atlanta and a veteran buddy of mine is like, Hey man, your biggest issue isn't that you don't have enough knowledge or mentorship or coaching. Your biggest issue is that you don't even know who you are. You don't even love yourself anymore. And he's like, go look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself. And if you can do that, I'll leave you alone about it. And I went upstairs, looked in the mirror and immediately had an anxiety attack. Couldn't tell myself I love myself. So it's a legacy of love, the journey of self-mastery. It's not a Nicholas Sparks book. It's not about loving a girl. It's about loving yourself, falling in love with yourself again, especially after the uniform. Because I think that's a big thing that needs to be talked about in the veteran space is like re refinding who you are and then falling in love with those pieces to, to put out into the world because we have some amazing people. Yeah, I love that. And, and not only just with veterans, I know it's specific. A lot of veterans feel that same way, but men in general, I feel like it's like just so tough and not normalized to talk about feelings, talk about stuff. It just comes off as like, quote unquote, like icky or gross to, to really express yourself that way. So with that yeah. being said, if we're addressing specifically men here, what are some ways, immediate yes. action steps that we can start beginning to love ourselves? Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. I may, I wrote the book to be relatable to everybody. Everybody has gone through trauma or something that they've dealt with. But speaking specifically to men, that's what I wanted to highlight more speaking as a man, right? Men, we, re we relate to each other differently. And if you look back to Marcus Aurelius and all the great leaders and the Roman emperors, the, the leaders throughout history, they're all philosophers. And one thing that they were very big on was existential questions, learning about themselves, learning about the world. And it, it's funny, I started studying more philosophy. And, and when I started learning more about these ancient leaders and trying to figure out more about myself and, and re-identify those things. And the book actually, when it released, hit number one new release in mental health and number one new release in philosophy mythology. And that's the thing that's funny to me is like, as a philosopher, I never saw myself as a philosopher, but as a leader, if you can sit there and ask, ask existential questions, ask why, why this, why that, start asking more questions. I think that's a big piece. Take that step to build the opportunity to be aware of things, right? And ask those certain questions that will hopefully change the dynamic of maybe a negative mindset or a negative piece of your life and start having that philosophical look towards it. And you'll be amazed what answers come to you from it. That's great. That's great. And so what, so talk about, so we know where we're at today. Where do you see things going and what's your vision for what you've created and, and what you're currently creating? Yeah, man, uh, my big one right now, I host about 10 events a month here in Atlanta. A couple of them are virtual. Almost all of them have virtual options, but we do a lot of stuff in person here, combining battle and ATL vets, battle being the general veteran, or excuse me, general business owner populace and then ATL vets being the veteran business owner populace. So I'm really building a bunch of community functions here from networking events to workshops, different things. And those events are leading to a big three day conference I'm hosting this summer. 
I'm really focusing on finding some amazing impact players that want to be sponsors, want to be seen in front of the business community. It's called the Battle Biz Summit. It's going to be this summer. Waiting on dates to be confirmed, but I have some amazing things happening with local university, Georgia Tech, um, Kaiser Permanente, some amazing sponsors that really want to support the veteran and the business owner community. So my big vision is doing that once a year, instead of doing like a gala for the nonprofit, do a, a business conference where we can bring value to people. And then the purpose partners is of course, ATL Vets. So all the profits go to ATL Vets as that 501c that can really support that veteran business owner. That's amazing, man. Dude, congratulations on everything that you've done so far. Now, as we get towards the end of this podcast, Let's talk a little bit. This is called the Consistency Wins Podcast. So I'd love to know, and I know this shows up a lot in your life. What does the word consistency mean to you? Oof. Oh, man. It's amazing. And I have my own podcast going on 400 episodes, the 10 events a month happening every month. And no matter how much it's like, whew, I can be tired sometimes, right? I think consistency is one of those wake up every day happy. Whatever that takes, man. And I think that happiness for me lets me conquer the day with that consistency, right? So for me, consistency really is that hitting the ground and, and, you know, you wake up, your feet hit the floor and the devil says, Oh crap, he's up, right? I want that in my life. So hitting the day hard every day, that's the consistency for me is like, Every day might not be a hundred percent compared to the next day, but I'm going to give my hundred percent for that time. You know, it doesn't have to be your best performance, but give what you can every day. Be selfish for yourself in those capacities. But yeah, man, wake up and let the devil know you're about to take over. It's amazing. I'm going to steal that from you. Like yeah, wake up good. and let the devil know like, oh shit, he, he's awake. There's, there's a reckoning <laughs> happened today. So, and, and that's yeah, such a great point. Cause like the, the, the most synonymous word I can put with consistency is discipline. Right. The fact that like yeah. people talk about motivation all the time, but we, we always talk about how motivation is kind of like a myth. It really just is there to get you going. You can use all these different external factors to get you going a little bit, but discipline really keeps you going. The consistency yes. and the discipline of just showing up every day, because I'm sure you don't want to wake up at 4 a.m. every day. I'm sure you don't want to go to the gym. You just have to do it, bro, unless you don't yeah. want to show up in a peak state. So it comes down to that discipline all the time. So thanks so much for sharing that. Of course, man. I've got a beautiful girlfriend. She keeps the bed warm. Like, I don't want to get out of that warm bed, but she's also a personal trainer. So it's like, I got to get in the gym. So yeah, I absolutely, even the days you don't want to keep, just get up and do it. And that's discipline, right? Even if you don't want to do it, you got to, got to hit the, hit the ground running, man. And I think that's a big piece. You said it really well. So in, in general, you know, we usually like to wrap up with one, how can, how can our, our listeners follow your journey. How can they connect with you? Where can they go buy the book and, and all that jazz? But then also I'd like you to finish and wrap us up here with some words of wisdom you'd like to leave our, our listeners with. I think I'll just stole words of wisdom overall with the consistency <laughs> and discipline. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm easy to find. Zach A. Knight, I was joking with y'all before we started recording. Make sure you throw the A in there because if you don't, it pops up with the indie pop star that has a lot more hair, hair like y'all's actually, a lot more hair than I have. So ZachAnight.com, it'll redirect you to all sorts of things. ATLVets.org is obviously the big piece where a lot of things are driving that direction. A lot of resources across, man. I, I have a lot of resources for business plans, marketing plans, different things that I'm putting into those communities. So you can find all of that at ZachAnight.com. The words of wisdom, man, I think the big one for me, take a look in the mirror and especially as an entrepreneur, we get rejected so often. We, we find that 
negativity so often. My biggest piece is taking a look in the mirror. Tell yourself you love yourself. If you struggle with that, find that piece of happiness about yourself, that thing that you really cherish about yourself and, and really love that part and, and find that love for yourself again, because then you're not going to worry about the stresses that drive us crazy all the time, right? You're going to be able to go back to, man, I love what I'm doing and I love myself and it's going to be an amazing day. And you keep moving forward to that. Boom. Mic drop. Zach, it has been an absolute pleasure, man. We're so excited to just get to know you a little bit further and continue to serve your community. I know this is not the last time that we're going to be chatting. So thanks so much for coming on, man. I love it, man. I appreciate you all having me, guys. All right.